know that feeling when somebody is going to come in front of you and cut you off? I think what you like to do is, is to be like giving them the finger and being like, you're not going to do that. I'm going to get in front of you. And so you speed up to make sure that doesn't happen. And for me, I'm like, I don't want to like participate in any kind of aggression with somebody else's driving. So I'm, I tend to slow down and get behind them. So I think <laughs> there's just like these little things that aren't a problem in the long run, but I think that they can be grounds for fertile rupture when one of us doesn't feel safe. I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Art of We podcast. This is episode number 68. And today we are going to be talking about driving because it's been a very heated topic for us, driving with each other and what that brings up for us and the feelings of not feeling in control. And we also know from our own close friends that this is a topic that comes up between a lot of different couples. So we thought it would be helpful to talk about here. And we keep refining it, but I feel like we have come up with a really good middle ground about how to deal with the ruptures that can come with driving. So we'll share about that. How's it all sound to you, Will? That sounds great. Why don't we start with just painting a little more detailed picture of what our experience is with driving. Why don't you start us off? Okay. So I'll start with sharing my challenges being a passenger while you're driving. And part of this is just because we want to normalize that this is a thing between couples. So I think that you're a really skilled driver and I think that you see a lot of things. And I think for me, what's the hardest is that usually when I'm driving with somebody, I can feel what they're seeing by how they're operating the car. And for you, I think I have a harder time feeling what you're seeing because like, for example, if I see brake lights in front of us, your tendency isn't necessarily to put on the brakes. Like, that would be feeling what I think you're seeing. Instead, I feel like we're either going faster or, you know, not slowing down. I'm not saying that you're not tracking any of this. I'm just saying that I'm not feeling what you're seeing. And so often that can bring up panic in my system or my body responds, even with my, without my brain responding. There's just like an animal instinct that I get scared. And then either a sound comes out of my mouth or my body braces or I grab for the, the handle. And I, that doesn't feel good to me as a passenger to be responding that way. And it doesn't feel good to you as a driver. I'll let you share your experience. But I know it doesn't feel good to you as a driver to have a passenger who's like making noises and accusing you of things that aren't true. So... We just get into this challenge when I'm a passenger of me not feeling safe. And then it's been about how am I sharing with you when I'm not feeling safe? Like, 
am I yelling, oh my gosh, do you see that person? <laughs> or am I saying, like, this has been a lot of work that you and I have done. Like, or am I saying, oh, honey, do you see that person? It's very different in your system when I say it two different ways. <laughs> it's just been challenging for us to find our way while you're driving. And I know that there's a whole other side here, which you're going to be talking about here in a minute. So I think I just want to also say that we have different driving styles. How would you describe them? That I'm uh, maniacal and you're really safe or (laughs) 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 I drive too fast and you don't or what do you? Well, I think that you like the speed. I think that you like to feel the power of the car underneath you. Is that true? I think Krista's pointing out a, a pattern in my psychology that's bigger than just driving, but yeah. Yeah, you like to I, go fast. I do. In my life, I like to go fast. Yeah. And I'm learning about how there are situations where going fast is the best approach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's been um lifelong journey for me. It feels good to have enough power in the car to be able to merge safely and pass a car safely and not worry about not having the ability to do something. And we could derail into a long rabbit hole about that in my psychology. But yeah, that that comes up with driving for me is like enjoying technology that works well and that can perform well and, and do things. And it's fun for me. I've also learned not to drive as fast as I used to. Right. And I think one difference in a driving style, for example, is like somebody will be coming up alongside of us and you might have you know that feeling when somebody is going to come in front of you and cut you off? I think what you like to do is, is to be like giving them the finger and like being like, you're not going to do that. I'm going to get in front of you. And so you speed up to make sure that doesn't happen. And for me, I'm like, I don't want to like participate in any kind of aggression with somebody else's driving. So I'm, I tend to slow down and get behind them. So I think it's <laughs> just like these little things that aren't a problem in the long run. But I think that they can be grounds for fertile rupture when one of us doesn't feel safe. I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think our couple therapists would say there's not enough signaling going on either, which is a different aspect of it. Signaling like communicating, like what's happening. Turning the car signal on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, okay, Krista, I'm going to pass this car. Or right. in a different example where you're driving in the rain and I'm in the passenger seat and you say, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to swerve into the oncoming traffic here to go around a puddle. I'm like not getting that communication (laughs) 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 tends to induce panic. So I think there's a lot here to unpack, but you know, one of the things that I think is interesting in, in the car as we're just starting to get into this conversation is it's quite different from the way that we practice relationship in general, which is that we have equal power and equal responsibility to show up and create the experience we want to be having. And in the car, it seems to me, unless you're in a driver's ed course, like I was where the teacher is in the passenger seat, but has a brake pedal in there, (laughs) (laughs) which most cars don't have. The driver is really responsible for most of the experience of, of the driving. Right probably 90% or whatever number you want to pick. But so that's real. And so for the passenger, the surrender to the driving style of the driver or not surrender, but having your physiology put at the effect of the driving style of the driver is a thing. So there's that. And then there's also the 
the signaling. Like I'm aware that as a driver, I feel extremely confident and relaxed as a driver, but I don't talk about the way I'm driving Mm -hmm. enough. I don't think that's normal for somebody to be like, hey, I'm going to talk about the way I'm driving so that my passenger feels safe. You know, like (laughs) maybe on a racetrack that where somebody's in there for the first time, somebody might do that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. Like when I went on the track in Las Vegas and drove really fast cars and the instructor was in my ear the entire time. Mm -hmm. That was fun. There's the signaling of the passenger, for example. One, another difference that we have in our driving style is that you feel more comfortable being closer to somebody's tail than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Again, like there's nothing wrong with the way that you feel or the way that I feel, but it's a matter of like, the physiology is you're talking about, if I perceive that you're too close to somebody, I start to get scared. And now I'm focused on the tail end of the car versus being present with you and whatever conversation we're having. And so if I signal to you and say, hey, I would feel safer if you backed up off of the tail a little bit, you know, that's that's a good signaling, but you have yeah. to be willing to receive that kind of feedback. And I think people can then get irritated by the passenger being, what do they call it? The... um Backseat driver? Yeah, backseat driver. So that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. Yeah, and then there's there's one more dimension that's that's worth mentioning here is that I think we had to work through in the beginning of our relationship, and I think we're pretty much on the other side of this part of it right now, is that when we get in the car together to drive, let's say we're going to Denver and we have an hour drive in front of us, it's like, okay, now we have a captive audience not in a bad way, but it's like, okay, we're here. We can talk about something while we're driving. And for me as a driver, getting into a really complicated or detailed or nuanced Nuanced. emotional (laughs) conversation is kind of like trying to do calculus equations while I'm driving a car at 80 miles an hour down the highway. And it's very stressful. So we we worked through that to some degree. For sure. And for me as the passenger who's usually bringing those conversations, I'm not appreciating the level of complexity that you're navigating because I'm not the one that's driving. So, but before we go to break though, I would love to hear, you know, I I don't want to just say this is the way that you're driving. Then I have a different opinion about that. I want to hear your challenges with when you're in the passenger seat with me and my driving. And by the way, after the break, we will share the solution that we've gotten to, which we keep refining still, but we do feel like it's a a big step forward in how to resolve the differences that we have in our driving styles. So to answer your question, I I think it's hard for me to be a passenger in general. That's a challenge for me. And I think it has been for a long time and I don't know exactly why that is. I feel safer when I'm driving than riding shotgun. Right. Well, it's, you're not as much in control, like you were saying earlier. So that may be a big part of it. Yeah, I mean I think I think there's an acknowledgement in my physiology on some unconscious level that riding in a car is a dangerous thing to do and you know it's more dangerous than flying or riding a bike and it's just it's real. People get distracted, they make sudden moves and so on. So I just feel way more relaxed in the driver's seat. So that's really the biggest issue that I have with your driving is that I don't like to be a passenger in general. Mhm. I think you're a really safe driver and I'm curious what you would say about this, but the more conservative driving style that, that I think you take is 
where you say, you know, somebody's racing up in the next lane and you, you know, and you maybe have a perception they're going to cut you off or something like that. You'd rather go behind them than go in front of them. Mm-hmm. The place where I get maybe a little triggered in the passenger seat is when I imagine that there's a, a stressor or some kind of distraction happening for you in terms of trying to execute that sequence of events of like getting behind the person who's coming up behind you. You mean I'm and, stressed and, and trying to figure that out? Mm-hmm. That's where you would get triggered if I was stressed about that? Mm-hmm. And why would you be triggered if I was stressed about that? Because I imagine that you're distracted by the stress while you're driving the car. Wouldn't you want me to be paying attention to that? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's, you say potato, I say potato. Like there's, <laughs> to stay in the example, like if I see that happening, my instinct, my automatic response would be to assert my right of way by occupying the space that I want to occupy and thereby sort of forcing that other person who, whatever they're doing to have to deal with that and that I'm, I'm owning my space. Right. And I've had enough few, just even a few incidences of road rage where I'm like, this isn't, for me personally, this isn't something that I even want to attempt to evoke in somebody else if that happens to be where that person could go. I've been very scared with some drivers historically about me supposedly taking up or owning my space and then getting some pretty scary feedback <laughs> from, from the other driver, like for real. So yeah. I think I think those probably moments and maybe, and I don't want to generalize it, but maybe a dude is less willing to or less likely to be aggressive with another dude than he would be with a female. I don't know. Yeah, I think that that's probably true. But there might be a predator-prey dynamic of if someone who's more assertive in their driving style runs up on somebody who's more passive mm-hmm. or more accommodating, I think that can trigger a sequence of events that's not going to feel good to the accommodating driver. Does that happen for you? Like when you come up, but when you're approaching a more passive driver, are you saying, and they get out of your way instead of try to stake their space, so to speak, does that trigger something in you where you're then like, no, I mean, I don't, I don't feel aggressive in my driving and you, you might feel like my driving is aggressive sometimes from your perspective, but I don't experience myself as a predator using the car to make people feel threatened or afraid. Mm -hmm. No, I don't feel that way from you. Definitely not my intention if it happens. No, I don't feel that way. But I think that for guys who are prone to road rage, I think there is a, just like in any situation, whether you're in a bar, and sadly this happens a lot in situations where a person who has experienced rape or sexual trauma gets identified unconsciously mm-hmm. by a predator in the mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. just because of the injury and the the energetic broadcasting that's happening. That's all I'm talking about. Do you think I'm broadcasting energetic, collapsed female driving? Or passive, you said passive. Do you think I'm broadcasting that? I've been in cars where I felt that way and I don't think that's what you're doing. I'm just saying that there might be That's not my experience of you as a driver. But when you said that you've been involved in 
experiencing road rage a number of times. My point is that there are two players in that drama, right? There's the victim and the perpetrator. And so I'm just wondering out loud if there's a dance that goes on there to some degree. I don't feel that way at all, honestly. What I feel for me, it's more like, am I interested in getting involved in somebody else's drama? And the answer for me these days in particular is a heck no. And Mm -hmm. like if I go to the supermarket or something and the cashier is overly revealed, maybe not, maybe my judgment is overly revealed, but like maybe they're just revealing a lot about their personal life and sharing a lot about what happened to them and this and that and this and that. And, you know, some people stand there and start to get into the conversation with them and engage them when the people behind them are like, okay, can we keep moving forward? Where I would just tend to be like, this isn't a drama in this moment or something that I personally want to get involved in. So I'm just going to say, I wish you well and thank you for checking me out. And like with the cars, I'm just like, I wish you well and I'm not interested in getting involved in your shenanigan, whatever is happening here. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, especially in a car where you have no idea what's going on in that other car. <laughs> and like, are there guns in the car? Like, is the right. person drunk, cracked out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, I want to honor both of our experiences and perspectives in this. And why don't we take a quick break and when we come back, we'll share what we're working with in terms of what has supported us to have a more safe experience with each other when the other person's driving. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance. And now back to the episode. Welcome back. Before we get into our we solution for driving, if you're enjoying our podcast and you appreciate our content, we would so love to get a rating and a review from you. It really helps us to understand what you're liking, what you want to hear more of, and it really helps our podcast to be found when we have more ratings and reviews. So if you'd be willing to do that in this moment, that'd be awesome. Or at the end of the podcast episode, would be great too. Okay, so before we get into our we solution, how we are working on driving together in a way that feels good to us, I just want to touch on the victim-perpetrator conversation one more time about your comment around, let's say a, a person who has road rage might likely pick on somebody who has a energetic of passiveness or what would you say, like uh, they're kind of inviting in some sort of challenge because they don't feel super strong on the road, for example. Is that maybe one way you'd say that? Yeah, it's sort of like the energy of the bully and the person who's getting bullied. Like sometimes there can be an escalation of that predator-prey moment if one person 
is signaling submission or fear. Bullies tend to be able to smell that. And so that's what I'm talking about. And I, I want to clarify that I'm not at all wanting to blame the victim of violence at all, but I'm pointing out that bullies tend not to be as interested in getting into a conflict with someone who they think is going to stand up to them. That's all. That makes sense. And I would imagine if there was a driver out there, if like, for example, if I had a lot of fear of driving and every time I went out on the road, I was in deep fear. And so then I'm like hugging the side of the road. I'm doing things that look odd. You know, I could see that I could probably attract more trouble in a certain way if I was in my fear about it all the time, just like in other areas. The violence is not justified in any way, shape, or form. Right. So we just want to clarify yeah. that here. Yeah. But if there are things that you personally can do as a driver to not be the one who's getting honked at, then it's <laughs> <laughs> probably a good idea. <laughs> so let's share what we've come to. In terms of our driving, we're not driving a ton, but we drive enough. And usually 50% of the time we're driving together. We've come up with this we driving solution. So the idea here is that the driver, correct me if you see this differently, Will, the driver is responsible for making sure that the passenger can feel as safe as possible without overtaking care of their neuroses about it. For example, the time that you spoke about when it was raining like cats and dogs, I saw the big puddle in front of us, I didn't want a hydroplane, I'm driving, I swerved into the other, other lane to avoid, <laughs> avoid the puddle. Your whole body like just practically jumps out of the seat and, you know, you're screaming for help. <laughs> <laughs> like in that moment. You can laugh about it now, but it was, it was a scary moment. For it was sure. really hard for both. And I felt totally in control, like which is just the difference between the two of us. <laughs> but it's like in that moment, I, I want to take responsibility moving forward that you're not going to have that experience again. Like I don't want you to feel dysregulated with my driving. So it's kind of like who's ever driving, we go into we driving mode which means that we're really caring for the other person's experience. It's not just about, oh, they hate my driving, or, oh, I can't drive the way I want to drive because so-and-so is in the car, or whatever the complaint might be. He's so picky, or she's so picky, or she's too sensitive, or he's too sensitive. No, it's like we're doing something together, and we're taking responsibility for what the experience is of the drive. Yeah, I would just add that in addition to the driver being responsible for providing a relaxing experience for the passenger. There's also this ongoing need for communication between both people. So it's hard for me as a driver to remember that I need to be communicating a lot more. I mean, when I'm by myself driving, I don't need to communicate to anybody. And You could practice. You can practice with yourself <laughs> in the car. You yeah. get really good at it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And also, I'm as the passenger, another part of my responsibility is to make sure that I'm not dysregulating you with my feedback. And, you know, like, for example, pulling out of our driveway, if it feels really close to somebody's tail or if it feels really fast and a little bit dangerous, then I just gently and neutrally might say, oh, can we remember to go into we driving mode, you know? And then I think that that resets the memory of what we're up to together when we're driving versus 
me just either getting frustrated and not saying anything or me saying something like, gosh, darn it, Will, like, do you have to go so fast? You know? (laughs) I like it when you say, remember, I'm in the car with you. That (laughs) helps. Yeah. Yeah. So we're both taking responsibility for the driving experience. Right. We did have a little problem with a person. We're driving down the street and there was a crosswalk, but the person wasn't in the crosswalk. And we live in Colorado where the law, it's different from California. If there are any people listening in California where anybody who's on the street who might go in the crosswalk, you have to stop. In Colorado, if they're in the crosswalk, you have to stop. So it's a little different. I think that you saw this person who was not in the crosswalk, but they were near it. And I didn't slow down because it didn't look like to me that they were about to go anywhere. <laughs> but obviously they could have. So again, I think this is a, this is where the communication between the passenger and the driver really matters and how, how that communication happens, which is hard because you're moving fast. And if you can't necessarily take your time and say, okay, let's, um, let's talk about that. There's a person there who might go in the crosswalk. Yeah. Let's just take a moment. Let's slow down. Yeah, totally. And I think I'm, I'm, interp- I'm reading California rules here because for me personally, I'm just like, I want to prioritize that person feeling safe. <laughs> 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 and I don't want to risk rupture really, which is interesting. And I think for you, you're like, well, it's not the law that I have to yield to them because they're not yet in the crosswalk. So it's, it's another way that we're having different perspectives there. So that's interesting piece of information that we can, we can figure out how to navigate that one. (laughs) Yeah. Because what happens for me is as a driver in that moment is like, well, in general, people in Colorado are not that good at stopping for people in the crosswalk anyway. So it's kind of scary to be a pedestrian. So I, I hear what you're saying and you know, where you're coming from wanting that person to feel safe. But if I'm slowing down for someone who may or may not go in the crosswalk, I'm starting to get concerned as a driver that I'm doing things that are unpredictable for the driver behind me who's checking their phone and they're not paying attention to the space between them and our car. And mm-hmm. so I start realizing in my head anyway that the the safer choice is to cruise right through the crosswalk knowing that it might be more dangerous if I decided to, like if I just stopped in the middle of the street and there's nobody in the crosswalk because there's someone who might go in the crosswalk and now I've got a person barreling down the street behind me and I'm stopped to try to figure out if they're going to come in the crosswalk or not. Like I'm a sitting duck to get ran into. That's my psychology. Well, this could go a whole bunch of ways because if you were on a bike (laughs) Uh (laughs) and you were wanting to cross the crosswalk and a car was going really fast, you probably would flip the car off. Well, if you felt like you had the right of way on your bike. So I guess it depends on which kind of thing you're operating. That's exactly right. It depends on how heavy the thing <laughs> is you're operating. I mean, I've, I've been hit by a car twice on my bike, so that's a whole nother episode, but okay. I don't take chances with cars on my bike anymore. So you wouldn't get mad at the person who's driving really fast through crosswalk. If you're about to enter the crosswalk on a bike, you think that they should have the right of way. In Colorado, yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. Okay. I'm not going to take the chance. But I'm not saying you wouldn't take the chance, but would you be mad at them? Would you be like, what an asshole? No, no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel like I feel like the driving <laughs> conversation is fraught with so much possibility for learning so much more about each other and for a lot of opportunity for rupture. And so this is why we're bringing it to you all. And if there's any way that you guys, you and your relationship, that who you who's listening, have figured out some really cool and key things for your partnership around driving, where previously you had some issues, we would so love to hear about it, right? Yeah, definitely. Anything else you want to say about the driving issues before we end this episode? I mean, I think tying it back into the message overall of our show is having agreements and erring on the side of more communication and not less is a good place to start with any hot spot in your partnership. Totally. And I think also just if you can get out of the kind of rigid, they're not doing it my way mentality around driving and more into how can we have a we experience, I think that can go a long way too. Yep. My way or the highway. My, the we way or the no way. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this was useful. And again, reach out to us with your feedback and comments. You can leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, or you can reach out to us at kristavanderveer.com. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If this show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast on the Art of We.